1: End of grade 6, we moved to the other side of Victoria and moved into a tin shed and for 6 years, I lived in a tin shed while we built a mud brick house. I remember one day, my parents arguing over whether they should buy milk or bread.
0: Hey! This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we'll be speaking with the best-selling author and the founder of property investment group OpenCorp, Cam McCallan. He'll tell us how he changed his life from working at the tip as a 19-year-old to never having to work again by just age 36 plus why property investment is the only way to grow wealth using someone else's money. McKellen has been so successful in his property investment journey that he has become financially free. However, like many successful people, for McKellen, property is his passion and he shares with us what that looks like.
1: I'm one of the directors of OpenCorp, so we're a um, property development, funds management and property advisory, so for property investors, we uh, teach them how to build property portfolios. Any given day, um, so my role with OpenCorp is strategic direction, I don't have a function day-to-day or any. Any task I'm responsible for, except for strategic direction. Uh, day to day, I probably I work Monday, Tuesday, um, have all my meetings on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, I don't work on Wednesdays. I do a bit of writing on Wednesdays. I'm writing my 4 year property developer and my four-year-old business owner at this point in time. Uh, two six. Um, then Thursday, Friday, I usually keep free if I need to catch up with anyone. Or, but um, nowadays, I mean, I've got a really good team in place for my businesses, so and it's taken me a long time to get them to that point. Automating medium-sized businesses, but um, I've got you know, great management structure in place. Um, so yeah, really, it's um, Monday and Tuesdays my work days, and then I'll drop into the office on Thursday, Friday, but it's not for any great length of time. Yeah, and and, and the reason is not to be to be. Um, Lazy or anything like, because I do enjoy business, and I'm sure I'll be in business until I'm 95 if I'm still around. But uh, the reason I set it up like that is I, I like to make sure, yeah, you know, I can get my kids off to school, go to the gym in the morning, go into work, and be home for my kids when they come home. And while they're young, um, they think I'm cool, so I'll hang out with them now. When they're 15, they'll go and do their own thing for a while before they come back. So while they're young, I'll spend as much time as I can with them as possible.
0: Part of McKellen's desire to spend time with his young family stems from the difficult experiences of his own childhood.
1: Melbourne, in my um, you know, primary school years, and this probably relates to um, the reason I've got a, a process with the investment, is uh, my parents were in business they had a news agency in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, they sold that when I was in you know, end of primary school, grade six, we moved down to a country town, warnable in Victoria, and they bought a motel. The... Um, the vendors of the motel um had cooked the books in conjunction with our accountant and this was the third time they'd sold the motel to unsuspecting buyers and within six months my parents had lost all their money they'd sold their house sold their business and lost all the money um so um end of grade six we moved to the other side of victoria and moved into a tin shed and for six years i lived in a tin shed while we built a mud brick house and while i didn't have a bad upbringing um, and overall, at the time, didn't think I wanted for anything, you know I mean? As a kid, my parents provided. I remember one day, my parents arguing over whether they should buy milk or bread. So, I realized at that point in time, sort of what predicament we we're in and they, they were pretty open with me at the time as a, a young kid and what was going on but obviously realized at that point that, you know, money impacted their life greatly, so…
0: Although he didn't want to, McKellen was forced to quickly understand the value of money
1: um, I think it was then that I started realising that I wanted to set myself up and have enough money, and, and and not for the sake of being greedy, but so I've never had to put my kids through something like that. I and mean, I was still a young kid at that stage thinking of it, um, but I always wanted to get back to the city. So my teen years, I grew up as a country boy, and then you know, uh, I left school um, at six, no, I left, left home at 16, started working, um, moved back down to the city. and my early 20s, the 19 or 20, I bought my first investment property. The reason I bought that was I understood that um, wealthy people had property. I didn't have the education to understand uh, the share market and more importantly, analyze um, company financials if I was investing in shares. So um, I started buying lunch. There was no there was no seminar circuit or property spruiker um, circuit back then where people go and get their information from now. So I just started buying lunch from old grey-haired investors basically, um, I was lucky that a mate that I, who's now one of our business partners, um, a mate's dad was a successful investor and developer and he grabbed us when we were sort of 19 and 20, showed us how to do a few developments and dual locks and tri and then, yeah, 6 units and 12 units and yeah, nearly, we're building quite a large um, amount of property each year.
0: Of course, it wasn't quite that simple. McKellen had already learned that money doesn't grow on trees. He Had to go and earn it,
1: and obviously, I had to work in, in jobs before I can make property my career at that stage. But, um, I started oh, oh jobs, uh, I worked in tips, recycling rubbish, I worked in supermarkets, worked as a forklift driver, I worked in every disgusting job you could ever put your fingers on. Um, and most of the time, I had two or three jobs at one point in time when I wanted to get my first property. Um, I sold my car, rode a bike for nine months to make sure I could get the deposit for it. So it amazes me nowadays when, you know, and and look, it's going to get tougher and tougher for kids to get property as they, you know, for first, the the pricing is is tougher than it was back when I was young. To get that deposit together is really tough. But I think people need to, people getting into the market really need to learn how to delay um, gratification. So... And and really, um, I didn't. I never went out for breakfast. I never had smashed avocados, and I never, I made instant coffee back then. You know, I didn't uh, go and buy lattes. So people need to look at their lifestyle and look at their expenditure. If they're serious about saving for a deposit, be serious about it. You know, um, make some sacrifices. Get an extra job. Um, you know, no one's going to give it to you. It's probably the message.
0: An investor's first purchase is usually memorable, for better or worse. McKellen's was no different but he says it's changed his life.
1: Life-old moment was um, the first property I think I was earning, I was working in a call center at Telstra at the time. And I was earning $22,000 a year and uh, I purchased the property and this was like uh, late 90s, early 2000s when you could do no wrong in Melbourne when you're buying property. It's just one of those cycles that I landed and was lucky to get hold of. But um, I, I signed the contract, settled three months later. And before, on the day of settlement, I actually checked the market and kind of got the property revalued, and the property had gone up just under forty thousand dollars. So I was working at the time for earning twenty two grand a year, and by signing a contract, the property had gone up forty k. Now with that, obviously, you know, split the block on the back and put a unit on the back, but with that revaluation, it gave me the the equity to do that, but also gave me enough deposit to go and buy another one, which I did. So all of a sudden, I was doing two properties at once, and I think Felicity, my wife, and I, I think she worked out in four or five years, we moved 11 times, so we were just basically, you know, buy a house, get plans and permits, get construction started, move again, and, and just rolled that out. And then the glory days of dual locks really came to a halt. Um, sort of early 2000s, I think every mum and dad, what I call now recreational developers or, you know, standard builders were getting onto the fact that they could make some quick money out of doing a dual lock. And they started not doing the feasibilities correctly and ended up paying too much for it, which happens in every help mark cycle. And so uh, what Alistair, who's my business partner, and Steve and I decided to do was to pull our money together and, in, in effect, created you know, a basic syndicate. So we'd pour our money in. If Al and I wanted to chuck a couple of hundred grand in and uh, Steve wanted to throw half a million dollars in, we'd um, put our equity together, buy a site with then realised values back then between... Five and fifteen million dollars, so larger developments. So developments which were out of the ballpark for most small builders or mum and dad recreational developers, but well and truly after the big players in town, underneath the big players in town, and so that was a good sweet spot for us for about you know five or six years, and we just started getting yeah you know, those sort of developments underway.
0: While steadily growing a personal property portfolio, you might be surprised to know that OpenCorp wasn't even McCallum's first business venture. We
1: were looking at Telstra, we uh, started a telco company, so Al called us up at the time and he said there's this guy crazy, John, that's making a bucket load of money, um, selling mobiles. What do you reckon? Yeah, I know. Um, And so we started a um, corporate Telstra dealership, just business to business, and we ended up having the largest corporate Telstra dealership in Australia, Something we had 150-odd staff. So that was a real apprenticeship over a decade of automating medium-sized businesses. We also started an IT company. Um, which service managed services for medium-sized business. We sold those two businesses in 2012, I think it was. Uh, OpenCorp was incorporated originally in 2005. Um, so while people knew us for our telco, in the background we were continually doing development, and that was really what we loved doing. So um, you're not going to say that you know, solve the world's problems by selling iPhones, but um, we we both loved property. And, um, during that time, so OpenCorp effectively is a development company. Um, we also have an arm, which is, it's not a charity. We charge for our services, but along the way, people were asking us, you know, how do you build a portfolio? And we got sick of having coffees on you, know, on, you know, morning coffees and weekends and that sort of thing, teaching friends and family how to build property portfolios. So, and we were getting, we'd probably slowed down on building our own portfolio and wanted to look at business. So, we employed someone to build our own portfolios and to sit down with people. So, Open Corps, the, the mentoring side of things came from there. So we you know, um, just slowly built that business up. I think we've been listed in eight BRW Fast 100 lists now. So, yeah, the business has gone well over the last year.
0: McKellen thinks one of the reasons Open Corp has been so successful is its honesty.
1: Yeah, I think that the name uh, Open, we, um, we really liked because of the transparency and it. I mean, if someone wants to come and ask us about what's the methodology, um, you know, buying investment property, I'll tell them to the point of the street that I'm investing in. If they want to go and do it themselves, that's fine. I'll give them all the check sheets they need to go and invest. But um, really, our clients use us because they don't have to think about it. If they, if they don't want to do any research, if they want to make sure that their finance is structured right, if they want us to find the property, manage the property, you know, organise everything, and all they say is, yes, I'll have a property, take you There's a tenant, and tell me when to buy the next one. That's really the service we provide. So.
0: As the founder of a number of businesses, McKellen has invested in numerous commercial properties. However, he says they aren't necessarily for most portfolios.
1: Purchased um, you know, a com- commercial building to put our businesses in, and we've just maintained those. A lot of people ask me, is it is it a graduation thing? You get residential first and you move to commercial. Um, I actually think, well, I mean, Al-, Al and I built, just to give you an idea, um, this is one of our first uh, medium sized commercial buildings that we built, which was. 3,500 square metres. We built basement car park and three levels of 1,100 square metre floor plates, so 3,100 square metres of office space down in Dandenong. Um, and we um, but we got the land, got the planning, and we got a 10-year lease uh, through Vic Police, which was um, the Victims of Crime unit um, in Dandenong gave us a 10-year lease. Um, so then we constructed the building. They went into the building. Now, that property... Once it was construction and tenanted, was just over 400k positive income for us. Um, the, the day it was built, and um, we put it on the market and sold it, and we had a bidding war from a number of super funds and uh, different investment groups. Now, people say, you know, why have you got a commercial property giving you 400k passive income, and you've just clogged it off? And the reason being is we took that money, paid the tax, and went and bought. I do not remember what it was at the time, 20 or 30 individual houses. Residential houses were a lot safer for us the value of that building is at its greatest point when it's got a new lease and every day getting close to the end of the lease and the, the building potentially devalues until another lease is signed. So it's much safer to have a, a, you know, a large portfolio of small eggs than there is one big egg.
0: According to McKellen, minimizing risk should be any investor's biggest priority.
1: The main reason why I'd say I prefer residential property is the basis of growing wealth is holding the most amount of asset with the least amount of money out of your back pocket so if you look at you know, today's lending landscape if you want to buy a one million dollar so if i'm talking in you know regular majority of people out there's terms if you want to buy a commercial property most people can afford a million dollar commercial property for example which is nowadays it's a milk bar you know what i mean so you've really got to look at it and you know what's the stability of the business going in there? If you're looking commercial property, do I understand profit and loss statements? Um, can I analyse someone's balance sheet? Can I analyse their cash flow? Can I talk to the management team? How stable is their business? How stable is the industry? And then um, factor in, you know, six-month lease-free period and things like that. Or um, so then, really, you've also got um, the deposit required. Going back to the first statement I made, the deposit is you might have to throw in 300 grand to buy a million-dollar property. If you, put, if you got $300 worth of deposit, you can probably get $1.5 to $2 million worth of residential property. So for the same money out of my back pocket, I can hold a million-dollar commercial property with a bucket load of risk or I can hold nearly double that of residential property with a lot less risk.
0: At the beginning of the episode, we said property is the only investing tool where you can use other people's money. Here's what we mean.
1: By having a small amount out of my back pocket, I can grow my wealth base a lot faster through residential with less risk. Um, and that was probably one of the light bulb moments when going back to buying that first property. Probably the key, I mean, the, the really golden information for new investors is understanding equity and how to access equity to duplicate. And then once you've got using other people's money rather than your own to leverage up and getting a greater return than you could on your own. And then once you're duplicating, the effect of compound growth, then I mean, compound growth, the eighth wonder the world. Um, is what's the old Einstein saying? It's a terrible book to read. I, Einstein's autobiography It's probably one of the most boring books I've ever read except for Johnny Howard's until I read John Howard's autobiography. But Einstein's, um, one of his sayings in there is um, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. And same with property investing. Compound is seriously, you know, where the joy comes in. Yeah, that was my light bulb moment, my aha moment, when um, I realised I could get equity from other people buy property and earn a bucket load more than I could earn in a year by working. And that was really all I wanted back then. I mean, I've got toys and those sort of things and, um, you know, different houses that we can take our kids on holiday to. But really, I'm not into the bling. Um, money has n- never been my driver. My driver's been not having to wake up to an alarm clock, to do whatever I want whenever I want, go on three months a year holiday, which is basically all the kids' school holidays, and and really just have that freedom. So money is the means to an end. And really, I knew that property could give me that through those light bulb moments and people ask me, they say, you must really love property but really, if elastic bands gave me compound growth, I would be an expert in elastic bands. It just so happens that property to me is the safest thing that I can understand and bank on to give my family the lifestyle that I wanted.
0: Since his purchase at the age of 20, McKellen really has gotten the most out of his property investments. It's almost nice to hear that even he can make mistakes we can laugh at.
1: Actually, another terribly interesting moment, this is, and, and you wouldn't no, tell you university this. So, um, friends of mine were in the film industry years ago. So, this is when we were kids and they knew we were in the telco industry. And a uh, mate of mine, Lee, came to Alistair and myself and said, Look, I've just made, I want, I want to make this short film and then take it over to Hollywood and sell it. And I need $7,000 to piece together a 10 minute short film. And then he, um, James and I are going to take it to Hollywood and sell this film. We were like, come on, man. i not, not going to give you seven grand. It's a lot of money back in the you know, early 2000s. And uh, the boys ended up piecing together the money. And uh, they made the short film, which we all loved, and they took it over to Hollywood. And that movie became Saw and the Saw franchise. So... <laughs> Yeah, so, but saying that, um, Al and I love films. We've actually created our own production company in LA and we just, uh, yeah, finished our first feature film, which, um, premiered in Tribeca and then at Can Film Festival, Can Film Festival, however you say it. And uh, so, yeah, we um, and we're on to our third feature film at the moment, or second, second and third feature film at this point in time. So, yeah, but that's, that's not, uh, investing. That's, Having enough money and then being able to go and have a bit of fun on the side so you don't make films with the hope of making a bucket load of money. It's definitely not not, a, not an advisable thing to do. So you do it for a hobby.
0: To get to the point where owning a film company is a hobby, you need a plan. McKellen has shared his with us.
1: Yeah, my vision was to um, create a portfolio. Once I understood equity and living off equity, there's probably four, probably four main exit strategies I see it. Um, sell to pay off your debt. Um, the domino effect, which is one pay one property off. Um, and once you got that paid off, the rent goes into the next one and you slowly pay each one off, which usually is in conjunction with the you know, sell-to-pay-down debt. Um, you can give them away to your kids if you want at the end through a family trust or you can live um, off equity. And that was once I understood equity, I realised that as long as my portfolio was growing at a much faster rate on average than I could spend, then in effect I'm retired. and do whatever I want. So my goal at that stage, I worked out I needed – Basically, five properties, five well chosen properties, and to let them double in value and then draw up the line of credit um, and then draw that down slowly over the next decade when it went up in value. Um, but I enjoyed business, and um, Felicity wouldn't let me stay at home all day because I'd annoy her too much. So I, get, I still enjoy going to, you know, and creating businesses and, um, yeah playing the property space, so I've just continued on with it. But that was my initial goal, um, was to have five properties which are growing in value fast enough that I didn't have to work if I didn't want to. So if you've got a 10% growth rate, which you can't in Australia, I think it's 8.34% on average because of the capital city. If you've got a 2.5 million, might be 220 grand. It's growing in value. If you draw 100 grand on that, which is tax-free to live on, well, you've still got a nice buffer there. The banks nowadays, um, through private bank or uh, most of the – areas in the bank, private bank or the retail sector will deem you a professional investor and they want you, if you've got no income, they'll like to have your portfolio at about a 50% LVR. So you might require a little bit more than that, but that was my goal when I was you know, first you know, naive within the industry. Um, and, but that was yeah, my first goal anyway of what, what I wanted to achieve.
0: Coming up after the break... We hear about the personal qualities that have enabled McKellen's success.
1: If there's the one different thing about you and the majority of Australians out there is, and this is, the, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I've got no self-limiting beliefs.
0: The type of people he has placed around him.
1: But we do challenge each other, but we're also, if if one of us slows down or, you know, has a bit of time with the other, we, we just um, challenge ourselves, I suppose, with new ideas. And,
0: and that's next. I'm Tyrone Sharm and you're listening to Property Investory. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So, do you want to get a better return with lower risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. So what makes McKellen so different from other investors? He actually says not that much. It's just about sticking to the strategy.
1: No, I think um, probably if I if I had to pinpoint it, this is actually um, my business partner's pinpointed this for me and brought it up. He said, if there's the one different thing about you and the majority of Australians out there, is and this is the, I know I sound arrogant, but I've got no self-limiting beliefs. So, and when m- most people will need to analyse things and perhaps get analysis paralysis, or they're fearful, I realise that my greatest fear was doing nothing at all. I knew that if I did nothing at all and just got a job and ticked along, that was probably the worst outcome I could come for. So even if I invested and made mistakes, I was still better off than doing nothing. And that gave me, a, I suppose, the need to want to learn about it because I didn't want to make mistakes. And I saw most property investors, the way they pick property is pretty much gambling, to be brutally honest. Um, I don't see any difference between the most way most people pick property as an investment and gambling. And the reason for that is, they don't have a way to pick the best investment every time. They'll go off whatever the papers, papers say at that point in time. And sadly, I don't know any journalists that have a good property portfolio and can write credibly on it. Um, I wish there were. Um, the, and newspapers and um, all the publications, really, what are they after? They're after selling papers or selling publications, whatever the publication is. So, they don't, don't report, not talking about the industry um, publications, but um, just in general. Um, journalists want to wow factor, so no one's going to say, look, the market is generally just bubbling along okay, it's either it's going through the roof and no one can ever afford property again, or the sky's falling out our head and the market's going to bust and everyone's going to be destitute and broke, but they're the only two th- things that sell paper. So, I really wanted a way, rather than relying on um, information, I wanted a way that I could be comfortable. Um, Once I was motivated to buy property, I wanted a way that I could be comfortable. Now, I was really good at creating process for business, but when it came to property, most people spend 40 hours a week working for someone else, making someone else money, but they spend no time at all with a process to select the right property to purchase. So I created a system I call MAP, which is Market Area Property. So I analyze the property markets, finding which ones I want to knock out, then the growth areas that I don't want to invest in and then finally, I find the optimum size and quality property for that area. So basically, I can find the best property every day of the week um, regardless of the market cycle.
0: Success brings with a new set of challenges.
1: Building around 1,000 apartments a year and those and things, but really, I found early days, I bought my first property and I told my parents and a couple of friends, no one really shines on the fact that you're a property investor. I mean, most people go, well done, good on you, you're doing something. Um, Most people will be negative about it and the reason they're negative about it two reasons, either they're scared to do it themselves, and you know, Australians don't like the tall poppy syndrome, um, but really most people, if you think of the amount of people in Australia who are successful investors, so I think there's about 15,000 thereabouts, according to the ATO, that have six or more properties, I worked it out, and I think you'd have to pack out the MCG, 100,000 people, and then there'd be around 63 people in the MCG which have six or more properties. So if you were going around talking to people in the MCG, you'd have to talk to every person in the MCG to find the 63. So that means everyone else besides those 63 people are gonna be negative about it. So um, really I just uh, started buying property and keeping it to myself. So I don't tell people what my property portfolio is worth anymore because really it just makes me seem like a wanker and makes them feel like shit.
0: Kellen says the property strategy he used to achieve his lifestyle goals was really the only option.
1: Medium density residential property um, with good land content in the outer ring suburbs is primarily what I purchase. Equity growth is the only way you'll um, build wealth through property. Um, Property wealth, real wealth, comes from doubling your asset value every seven to ten years. I don't know anyone, any investor, and prove me wrong, it frustrates me, people, these companies out there that sell based on, buy negative gearing property to reduce your taxable income or buy cash flow positive property because that's the way to go. I mean, really, they're just promoting something to sell, to plug people' property. Um, I prefer both. I'm greedy, and you should, should prefer both. Um, you should get growth properties that over a short period of time, three to five years, become neutral and then cash flow positive. So... I've never heard of anyone. So, the old the grandfather of cash flow positive properties, Steve McKnight, wrote a book a couple of decades, a decade or so ago. I think it was zero to 250 properties in three years or something. I can't remember the exact title. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, that was great back then. Um, I think Steve was an accountant um, buying two to $5,000 properties. And he bought a couple of hundred pro- properties, sold his portfolio, and don't quote me, I'm trying to think of a video that he did. Um, a few years back, where he said it's not possible in Australia to build a cash flow positive portfolio to supplement your income, and the reason for that is our, our the capital required to do that in today's market is impossible to do that. But really, I've never heard of anyone, even if they do get a small amount more, if you get a couple of hundred dollars extra, as Australians um, we spend it. You know, we're terrible savers. So um, yeah, so um, getting growth property, which will double in value. Is really the only way to achieve wealth and financial freedom through property.
0: McKellen has been kind enough to share with us the specifics behind his approach to creating income from equity.
1: Flying growth properties, for example, if I've got um, a portfolio going up at $200,000 a year on average, I mean, obviously you've got to wait and be safe to wait uh, 7 to 10 years for it to double. Then if it's going up faster than if I want to spend, I'm mean, using hypothetical numbers here, if I want to spend $100,000 a year tax-free. I can draw from my line of credit the equity off that. If my portfolio is going up at 200 a year and I'm drawing out 100, well, my portfolio is by growing 100 a year, but I don't have to go to work for a living. Yeah, correct, correct, and and that's why I like um, capital city properties which go in value because rents obviously follow the growth of property. Um, And once the yield goes up, and, and I've I've bought lots of established houses over the years, many many established houses in the early days. Um, in the last decade, I've only purchased new properties because I like that depreciation in the first three to five years because it really helps with reducing the holding costs of the property until the point, and I, I put rents up every single time. I'll, I'll never, you know, whether it's $5 or $20, you need to customise your tenants to rents going up, So putting your rent up every time, and around three to five years, the, the, the property is neutral, so it's holding it uh, currently, you know, offsetting itself and holding its own value, and then after that, you're still getting the growth but you're getting cash flow positive as well. So people should be greedy and they should expect both so don't buy a property on one or the other.
0: The most effective way to learn is to learn by doing. When you add an experienced mentor to that process, it helped him to be the best.
1: Yeah, Steve Lewisons an old, old guy now, old grey-haired guy that sits on the, the board of a couple of their companies. Um, he was a, he'd probably been developing for about 30 years before I met him and then I became friends with his son. Um, and Alistair and his son was buying a property out in Bayswater in the outer suburbs of Melbourne. And um, I said to Steve, I'm pretty keen to understand property investing. And Steve said, well, there's one, two doors up the road. I think I paid $125,000, $130,000 for the property or something like that at the time. Um, it went up about $40,000 in three months. And I ended up chopping off the block in the backyard and putting a unit on the back of it. And Steve's taught us how to and all all the basics about investing in property. Um, Also, what had sparked my interest in property was I watched an old video of Jan Summers um, where she explained the the theory of buying one property and using the equity to duplicate. So she explained duplication really and compound growth. And that was sort of that light bulb moment for me. And until I saw it myself, in my first property, I could comprehend it but didn't see the power of it. I think Jan Summers back then, you know, the big shoulder pads. So this is we're talking in the you know, mid-80s, early 90s is when I first sort of got a taste of what investing could do. Um, but it wasn't until a little bit later until I started investing myself. Really just, um, you know, Steve had a circle of friends or property investors and developers. So you know, I just get dragged along to lunches and, you know, Buy them lunches and ply them with beer and just drill them over a four or five hour session and yeah, pick their brains and go out on site with them and business mentors I've had a um, number of different business mentors but um, primarily property um, when I've got 70 people in my business which you know range from. Yeah, development managers, corporate accountants, civil engineers, architects. So I'm pretty fortunate that I've got um, probably some of the most astute property minds in Australia under one roof. And I tell you what, it doesn't go, a I minute, mean, goes by where we're not tossing different ideas around and strategies and comparing it back to the core strategy and investment. So it's probably a good house that, um, a good place that, you know, just nurtures you know, property enjoyment, you know, you know, property knowledge.
0: Iron sharpens iron. McKellen says having someone to share with. Is as valuable as money itself.
1: A personal habit. Personal habit. Um, contributing to my success. Um, it's probably going. Alistair and I probably having someone to play kick to kick with. I suppose is the best way to put it. So Alistair and myself, business partners, we've been investing since we were kids. Um, we invest together individually, but we don't challenge each other. But we're also, if if one of us slows down or you know has a bit of time off the other, we we just um, challenge ourselves, I suppose, with new ideas and. Um, you know, there's another deal coming up, do you want to go into this one or, you know, time to buy another property and, you know, so I think having someone to go along the ride with is important. Um, it's a lot easier to build wealth next to someone and you all could also go on the life journeys. Um, it's good that Alistair's built wealth as well and we can go on holidays with our families together and, you know, he can afford the things that I can so, um, you know, the friendship remains strong.
0: Many investors have had their lives completely changed through the permeating power of books. For McKellen, reading is not as much as about gaining knowledge as it is finding inspiration.
1: Oh, uh, books, books, books. Um, I read a crazy amount actually. I've um, used to read a, probably a book every couple of weeks, but um, a lot of my horror novels and those sort of things. I love reading um, business books more than property books. So, uh, um, I just finished reading Elon Musk's book, which is um, I think a cracker book. So, uh, but um. Yeah, um, a lot of the old Branson books. Um, I like um, my Jack Welsh books, you know, straight from the gut, things like that. You know, all the rise and fall of Ellen Bond and the rise and rise of Kerry Packer. Um, Yeah, I read more business books than I do property. I suppose um, I've got enough, I don't sound arrogant, I've got enough knowledge on property that um, I don't, generally find that I don't get much out of the, the, the property books uh, anymore so I just more enjoy the business stories. I think it's just um knowing yeah watching people go through different challenges and how they approached it. Um, I read a lot of music autobiographies and those sort of things as well so um, uh, I think um, I mean the business books initially um, helped motivate me and usually I'll read them if I go on three or four weeks holiday with my wife and is before kids but um, you, know, you get enough time by the pool, I'd start to go stir-crazy and I'd need some business influence so I'd start reading business books and the you know, next thing I'd be all hyped up and sending emails back to work but I think I just like staying in touch with business and saying I'm not involved in my business as much day-to-day then uh, that keeps me amused but yeah, once again I've probably backed off reading a lot about business and property over the last uh, yeah, fair, fair number of years now.
0: Of course, books are great vehicles for passing on knowledge but McKellen struggled to find the right ones in his early property journey. So he wrote his own.
1: The book that I've um, currently uh, started writing in 2010 released a couple of years ago um, was my four-year-old, The Property Investor. Uh, the reason I wrote it, there was really nothing I felt and i would read pretty much every property book there was and so I'm not saying other property books aren't good but what I was wanting for a property book was a way to transition knowledge to my kids. Um, So I think it was about 2010 when I started writing it was when I was going overseas and said to my wife, if something happens um, while I'm away and the worst happens, I've got no way to transfer this 15 years of knowledge and property investment and everything I've learned along the way to the kids. So I started writing a journal just to literally some basic notes on property and the basic journal, which I thought might take a couple of days, was 20 hours a week for the best part of a year. Um, And that book got uh, published. And... The way I constructed it was as if I'm speaking to my kids. So it's, you know, the majority of it is, it is literally the way I speak to my kids. So it's very plain and simple language, um, but they're fairly complex subjects that we're going through. So I broke it down. I'm a fairly process-orientated. I have a number of different businesses, very process-orientated. So an overview of the industry, um, all ins and outs, which gives the basics on property and property investment in Australia particularly. Uh, then I've got the process that I use because I wanted to find a way that I could... I suppose, determine the best property in Australia to purchase and add to my personal portfolio at any point in time, regardless of market cycle. So it's pretty hard to compare property A and property B, and then get the winner of that and compare it to property C and go through the 9.4 million properties in Australia. So I developed a process, which I'm happy to go through with you later if you need to. Um, And that enables you to pick the best property every time. And then I wrote up the check sheets that I use from everything from... You know, the idea of setting up your team, getting your finance structure correct, because finance is probably... One of the main things which stops property investors duplicating is the way banks want finance structure set up and the way property investors need finance set up, about as polar opposites as you can get. Uh, so setting up um, finance structures, then how to identify the best investment you know, and setting the markets, the growth corridors and individual property. Uh, then, you know, settlement checks, conveyancing checks. And then once I... to the stage where i had a pretty serious portfolio um, and had a process to build that portfolio i became overwhelmed again so i created the system which i call just fairly zen which is the circle of duplication which is basically a way to continually check your equity levels uh, monitor your overall portfolio and know when to duplicate again so i created check sheets for each of those and put those in the book as well. So basically, if um, if I fell off the perch so to speak, I could hand that to my kids and go, there you go, you're now competent property investors.
0: What started as a helpful journal for his own family has now become one of Australia's bestsellers.
1: They can read it when they're old enough to comprehend it but uh, yeah, the um, the book went to number four in Newslink. has been in the bestseller list for a couple of years now. It was, um, it was the number one property investment book in Australia. I couldn't get to number three that was really frustrating me and number three at the time was Fifty Shades of Grey so go figure, you know, I had a pretty women's uh, women's um, fantasy books versus property investment, I didn't really have a chance.
0: So. Even with his family set for life, it's not the end of McKellen's property journey or for Open corp. new and exciting opportunities await.
1: We've... Um, rolled out a property management division across two different states. we just started mortgage broking and business-wise, I'm talking. Um, our developments are, are ticking along well. We're looking at um, starting a, a large-scale residential fund. So there's a lot of commercial property trusts in Australia and I think I mentioned to you before, I, sadly, I believe it's going to become very difficult for people to get into the property market in Australia with the way prices are going. It's becoming more and more difficult for a younger generation to get into property. Um, so I wanted a way that people could invest in property without having to so they can't purchase a property themselves so we're um, in the the uh, early throes of rolling out um, sort of an Australian financial services license rolling out a, a fund which holds residential property across the capital cities which will allow people to invest and trade shares within of property and invest in Australian property and get the growth and rental yields without having to hold a whole property themselves so yeah it's gonna be uh, something new for the market even if you're thinking that you've got a small amount of money and you want to continue to save for a deposit, well, you could invest in the fund itself and get the same growth that you could owning a whole property. Um, and then if you want to go and buy your own home, you take the money out of it. So we're looking at making sure that the shares are able to be liquid, so they're tradable, um, and then listed it effectively. But we're looking at um, a number of different... Um, so we'll be holding um, outer ring medium-density property with good growth, but good yield, and... Um, some more very low yield um, blue chip property and also doing developments in that so we're getting development profit in the fund as well so um, investors in that overall will get um, the benefits of all property classes effectively because of the development fund and it's across Australia um, over the long term very much so um, while there's no past performance to indicate future performance um, if I you know, um, use a um, required term you can't promise anyone anything but the product disclosure statement will give an idea of the investment and investors can make their own informed decisions um but the idea is that we will be able to outperform um but um there's no guarantees it's a financial product so there's uh yeah there's no way you can give lucifer guarantees of any sort
0: Thank you to Cam McKellen, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you love the show, perhaps you are now ready to invest your money in a low-risk, high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now. And I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499 88 1040. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.